Last week, uh, we began a series called Against the Flow, Alternative Views for Today's Hot Topics. And I want to say, first of all, tonight as we start, that I'm grateful that we still live in a country where you can talk about alternative views to different topics. Although I'm afraid that in a few years it's very possible, it may even by some people's estimation be probable that it will be against the law to talk about what I'm going to talk about tonight. You see, it seems that, and it's sad to say, that though our society was started with valuing freedom of expression, more and more, especially on certain topics, we are only given one viewpoint and we are all expected to agree with that view. And if you don't agree, you're dismissed, or you're called names, or you're seen as ignorant at best, or more likely seen as just plain out dumb, or maybe even as bad as fanatical. But today and over the next few weeks, we want to just press pause for a second. Can we do that? Are you glad we come to church? We can just press pause for a minute. Hey, time out. How about that? Time out. I'm hearing all this stuff. I'm hearing all this information. We're inundated with it. And instead of just going along with, going along with the ride, sometimes you feel like just jumping off the bus for a second. Hey, time out just a minute. I want to stop for a moment, and I want to think, and that's what I want to do for the next few weeks, is to think a little more critically, and I don't mean that like some people would interpret it. By critically, I just mean critical thinking means you're just thinking about things. You're assessing things. You're processing things. And we want to think a little bit more critically about some things that we're usually not encouraged to think through in our culture. Before we start, I want to reiterate something I said last week. We're not sharing these things because we're mad at anybody. We're not sharing these things because we want to be political or controversial or stir up anything. There's really two primary reasons that we're doing this study. First of all, as followers of Christ, if you are here tonight and you would say, I just want to know what it means to follow Jesus. As followers of Christ, we need to understand what God's Word says about these key areas that we hear about so much in life and that we make sure that God is the one who's shaping our thinking and not our own thoughts, or not the thoughts of others around us, or media, or anything like that. In addition to that, all of us need to realize, as I said last time, that sometimes, and I'm being nice, many times when we're talking about these kind of areas, we haven't been given all the information. At the end of the day, you're going to have to decide how you see these things, but you do need to realize that the Bible says in 1 Peter 1, verses 24 through 25, that man and our opinions will quickly pass away. But God and His Word last forever. And so that's what we want to think about tonight as we think about the topic of homosexuality. Now many people will tell you that what we are experiencing today, and not just in regards to this topic, but the topic of sexuality in general goes back about 60 years. Did you realize that? In fact, there was a study done, a a supposed study, done by a man named Alfred Kinsey back in 1948. He began this study. And as one author puts it, these and subsequent studies... Now listen, what we're doing is we're, we're trying to put things in context. Do you understand that? We need to think about things. Amen? We don't need to just take things at face value. We need to evaluate. Historically, kids, that's why it's good to go to school. Amen, parents? We need to learn lessons of the past. We need to see uh, things that have been happening, things that have been unfolding. All the things that we experience in our day today, they haven't just shown up yesterday. They started somewhere. 
One author says, These and subsequent studies, starting back in the 40s, taught many Americans a liberal attitude towards sex. In essence, that all kinds of sexual behavior, whether in marriage or out, were natural and to be desired. Apparently, the only unnatural thing about it was the inexplicable guilt that people couldn't seem to avoid. Supposedly, all that was needed was more and more talk of it and more education for young people so they wouldn't grow up with the sexual neuroses like their parents. In the end, many Americans came to believe that this type of activity among consenting adults was nobody in society's business. Twenty years later, those ideas began to bear fruit, and those of you that grew up during the 60s experienced the sexual revolution. Now let's just evaluate. What has all of that brought us? How far have we come? Well, we've seen the trivialization of the specialness of the intimacy. It's almost laughed about today. One man, one woman for life. Ha ha. <laughs> That's a joke. That's a relic of the past. The explosion of sexually transmitted diseases. We talked about last time, 50 million babies lost through abortion because they were unwanted. We've seen the breakup of the home through the epidemic of divorce. And now, especially through the internet, did you realize that pornography is a $60 billion per year industry worldwide? And can you guess which country consumes the most of it? $12 billion a year is spent in the United States, more than professional baseball, basketball, and football combined. More than ABC, NBC, and CBS combined is spent on pornography. And now we're taking the next step. I want you to realize that. This is a step. This is a process. We're taking the next step in a slippery slope. State after state is dealing with the same-sex marriage question. Right now. Right? Right now. Today. In fact, same-sex marriage has been legalized in six of our 50 states. Three of the states have done that through their state legislature. Three have legalized it as a result of court rulings. In Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Iowa... Same-sex marriage is legal and currently performed. In Vermont, it will begin on September 1st of this year. In Maine, it will begin on or around September 14th of this year, pending a possible veto by the people. In New Hampshire, it will begin on January 1st, 2010. According to one source, the movement to obtain marriage rights and benefits from same-sex couples in the United States began in the early 1970s. All this is happening. All this is beginning. The issue became prominent in U.S. politics in the 1990s with us leading the way, with New England being the center of same-sex marriage legalization in the U.S. We've already talked about the states above. New York, right now, is right in the middle of pro the process of making the decision about whether to legalize same-sex marriage. There's no doubt this is a modern hot topic, right? This is something that we need to realize is right in front of us, and we need to think about some of the issues that are related to this topic. And we need to go, before, go below the surface of what we hear about in the media or from politicians. And many times when you hear about homosexuality, this question is either stated or implied. The first thing I want us to think about tonight is many people would say, what's the big deal? What's the, maybe you're saying that tonight. Oh, man, I can't believe I came to church and the pastor's going to talk. What is the big deal anyway about this? 
You know, I think that many times your average person feels that way about this topic and some of the other topics we're going to talk about. But did you know, you need to realize this, that is exactly what some people who are more radical in their approach to this topic want this nation to believe. Look, what's it to me? It's not affecting my life. I want you to listen to this. In November 1987, November 1987, a homosexual magazine published an article called The Overhauling of Straight America. It was a blueprint for homosexualizing our culture and demonizing those who are opposed to it. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because if you're not a homosexual, my intention is not to get you all fired up and mad at those who are. And if you are a homosexual, my intention is not to make you look mean and bad to those who aren't. But all of us, whether you are or you aren't, need to be aware of what I'm about to share. There are people out there who are intentionally seeking to force homosexuality upon our society in a big way, and we need to be aware of that. Listen to this. Here's what the article said in 1987. The first order of business is desensitization of the American public concerning gays and gay rights. To desensitize the public is to help it view homosexuality with indifference instead of with keen emotion. Ideally, we would have straights register differences in sexual preference the way they register different tastes for ice cream or sports games. She likes strawberry, and I like vanilla. He likes baseball, and I like football. No big deal. At least in the beginning, we are seeking public desensitization and nothing more. We do not need and cannot expect a full appreciation or understanding of homosexuality from the average American. You can forget about trying to persuade the masses that this is a good thing. But if only you can get them to think that it is just another thing with a shrug of their shoulders, then your battle for legal and social rights is virtually won. A large-scale media campaign will be required in order to change the image of gays in America. And any campaign to accomplish this turnaround should do six things. Now, you can go, and Jeff, do we have that website on the screen? There's, uh, we'll have a website for you later. You can go and look at this actual article. But it actually listed out, okay, he's got a copy of that there where you can see it, but you can actually, we'll give that to you later. It actually listed out six specific steps that were being outlined in order to accomplish this agenda. Now, what's the point of all this? What I'm trying to share with you is, don't be naive. Homosexuality is a big deal. And there is a concerted effort by some to make it widely accepted in our society. So what does the Bible say about this? Is it that big of a deal? Is it something we should be thinking about tonight? Something that we, could, we should be concerned about? Well, there are two main issues that I could see. First of all, the Bible does teach, I have to be honest, the Bible does teach that homosexuality is wrong. Now, you can go to some churches. There are many churches, there are many Christian leaders who try to twist God's Word to make it say something different. But the Bible makes it very clear. Homosexuality is a big deal. And friends, I have to be honest with you. It is not a choice that, according to God's Word, is in line with God's purpose for our lives. So as long as we as individuals or collectively as a nation choose to go that route, like all sin it's going to have devastating impact on our lives and our society. And let's look at some verses that maybe just uh, point this out to us. Again, tonight, we're not bashing. We're not, we're not uh, putting our finger on anybody. We're just talking just like we do every week. Amen, church family? Every week we talk about things. We talk about life. We talk about topics. Let's talk about this one. 
What does the Bible say? And let's look at it from a positive viewpoint. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Genesis 1, 27 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God's plan, again, uh, spoken from a positive viewpoint to say, hey, let's look at not a negative, not what God says we can't do. Let's look at the positive. What did God create for a relationship? God created a wonderful design. The design was male and female. They are different. Amen. Men, be careful saying amen to that. Men, the ladies are welcome to say amen. Men and women are different. Amen. And God, all the guys are saying, David's wife's not here, he could say it. Men and women are different. And God created them different, but meant to be together. It's a beautiful design. They were to work together, to fill the earth, and to take care of it. To be partners with God in His creation. It's a beautiful picture. In Leviticus chapter 18, verse 13, it says, or verse 22, It says, you shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is an abomination. That's what God said. When God was giving his laws, when he was telling his people, here's here's the rules that I want you to live by, he told his people very clearly that homosexuality, he called it an abomination. He called it wicked. He called it detestable. God says, this is not something that is part of my design for your lives. Let's turn over to the New Testament. Romans chapter 1, verses 26 through 27. Now, Romans 1 is a picture of how life gets when we turn away from God, okay? When we make a decision to not listen to God and to go our own direction. And it's listing a lot of things. So you can look at, go back in verse 18. You can read all down through there. But starting in verse 26, as it's talking through that, it says, For this reason, God gave them over, as we continue to move away from God, God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also, the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. The Bible says that homosexuality is part of a picture. Now, these are the words that are used here in Romans chapter 1. It says, it talks about in verse 26, it says uh, degrading things. It says things that are shameful, that are disgraceful, that are dishonorable. The Bible is very clear. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, uh, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. The Bible's basically saying no sinners are getting into heaven, right? That's what the Bible teaches. Nobody, no sinners getting to heaven. The only way that we're going to get into heaven is if we turn our lives to Jesus Christ, ask Him to come into our lives, to forgive us, to cleanse us, to change our lives, and we trust Him, and we walk with Him. Okay, The only way we're going to get into heaven is by putting our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ. All sin will keep us from God. But in the midst of talking about different sins, he's just giving examples here, he lists homosexuality as something that is unrighteous and that is sinful. The Bible says very clearly, homosexuality is a big deal. It is a sin in God's eyes. But also, it's part of a larger concern. Homosexuality, according to the Bible, is wrong. And many, are, many will downplay what I'm about to tell you, but we are, friends, listen, 
and, and, and we're just talking about a portion of this. But remember, I started back in 1948, and we've gone a long way in this message already. We started back in 94. There's been a process, there's been a breakdown in our society for years. Did you know this is just an example? It's a big example. It's right here before us, very current, very contemporary. But this is one of many examples. Do you realize this? We are redefining relationships. We are redefining home. And many people will tell you, historically, uh, hist- uh, uh, historians will tell you, when you redefine the home, what are you doing? You are redefining a, ho- a whole culture. That's what's happening. If this trend continues, and it likely will, we will go the route of other countries. We will move farther and farther away from God's view of the home. And eventually, like many countries today, the question is going to be, who knows who can say what a home really is? Who can say even what a relationship really is? And there are things coming down the pike that things now that, as uh, I believe it was Francis Schaeffer said, things that are unthinkable now one day are going to be thinkable. I mean, we're going down this track and things are going to continue to go down that track farther and farther down. And so let me ask you this. Has our so-called sexual revolution and its destruction of the family, where has it gotten us? Has it helped us? Has it made us better? This is a big deal, isn't it? And we want to say, this is not a big deal. This doesn't affect me. Well, if it doesn't yet, it will. Certainly close to home personally at some point, but definitely in being a part of this society. What's the big deal? That's what many people say, but it is a big deal. It's a big deal to God. It's becoming a big deal for us. But the second thing that you'll hear stated many times is, but isn't homosexuality normal? Isn't it just a normal choice for a person to make? The assertion is made by many in the media and politicians and gay activists that, hey, many people are homosexual. We just need to get over it, accept it, and move on. Isn't that kind of the impression you get? Get over it. You're living in the past, accept it, and move on. In fact, parents, I don't know if you realize this or not, but if anybody is getting that message... It's your kids, especially, and anybody here in high school or college will tell you, it's actually cool now to be a homosexual, to be gay. It's intriguing. Young people are curious about this. It is in, in many of the institutions that our young people attend. I shared with you earlier that in 1948, that, quote, researcher, Alfred Kinsey, was a big part of giving our country permission, not just for homosexuality, but a revolution in general. But since that time, many have exposed the fact that Kinsey, who's, who's really, everybody goes back and quotes this man, and his research were at the best flawed, and at the worst, there's evidence that it was actually immoral. But in his findings, he claimed, and this is what got some things going here, he claimed that anywhere from 10 to 47% of the population had some sort of homosexual leaning. Now, over the years, those numbers have been grabbed. For the last 60 or so years, those numbers have been grabbed. And and people have used that to make the case that homosexuality is much more prevalent than the average person thinks. Basically, here's the idea. Isn't this what you hear? This is a normal, natural, common way for a person to live their life. And there are many people 
who are making that choice. Isn't that what we hear? But is that true? That's really what we're evaluating, isn't it? We're evaluating truth in this series. Let's talk about what we're hearing and let's evaluate truth. Well, one website says a series of recent studies from 1989 that was done through 1993 all show similar figures for the real proportion of exclusively homosexual individuals in America, about 1% to 2%. Another source, quoting a USA Today article, says the notion that 10% of men are gay, and that's coming from this Kinsey guy back in 1948, born in studies by Alfred Kinsey and popularized by activists, is dying under the weight of new studies. In the latest, only just over 2% of U.S. men ages 20 to 39 say that they've had any same-sex experience in the past decade, and only just over 1% say that they have been exclusively homosexual. Even that homosexual manifesto that we put up on the screen a little bit earlier, that we gave you the website to, that I quoted a little bit earlier, even that, even though it was very loosely stated, it wasn't a scientific assertion, but it's worth noting as their estimate, in that document, they claim that there were 10 to 15 million primarily homosexual adults in the country. Well, at the time they made that statement, there were about 285 million people in the United States. That means that even according to their generous estimates, only 3% of the population is homosexual. So that means that one or two or three out of every, how many? What does the percentage mean? One or two or three out of every 100 people have made this choice. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you, church family, and those of you that know me know this, if that was not true, I'd tell you the bad news, wouldn't I? If there were 75 people out of it, I would just tell you that's where we are. I'm just telling you the truth. The truth is when you hear, hey, isn't this normal? Isn't this just very commonplace? That is not the truth. So when you hear it on the news, when you read it in the paper, when you see it so prevalent in TV shows, Especially, according to that percentage, aren't TV shows heavily weighted in another percentage direction? Proportionate to the population? Is this, when you see those things, is this just the normal, acceptable, common lifestyle in our country today? Are many people living like this? The answer is no. You see, I think most of us realize what the Bible affirms. Living our lives this way is not natural, is it? It's not the way God designed us. We know that, don't we? That's not the way that we were created to experience life. Remember what we read in Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 through 28, when we talked about the male and female thing? Though God created us for many different kinds of relationship, God's design for that ultimate level of intimacy. And by the way, I think one of the reasons... And I, and I saw this in some of the research that I did. Somebody made this a point, and I thought it was a great point. I think one of the reasons, because I've never thought about it this way, that we are so infatuated with sexual activity is because really that is one of the ultimate experiences that we can have in our lifetime that borders on a spiritual experience. And many people are looking for God. And so they're looking for God in these kind of experiences. And the Bible says God wants us to have those experiences in the right context, in a safe place, in a place where it can be a blessing. Remember also Romans chapter 1, verses 24 through 28. The Bible says in those verses that this activity is unnatural, it is indecent, it is in error, it is not proper. 
And by the way, if you flip back there to Romans chapter 1, verse 18, one of the things that Romans 1 says is, listen, deep in our hearts, whether you are a homosexual or whether you're not, all of us bear witness to the fact of God's law written in our hearts. We have a, what do we call it? A conscience, don't we? We have a conscience. The Bible says in, in Romans 1.18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. This is talking about the whole problem that I was talking about earlier. But here's what I'm getting at. Who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power, His divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they, or we, are without excuse. I would say that unless you are here today and you are a radical activist who is just bent on making everyone accept and celebrate this lifestyle, and I don't believe that most people are, because of what God's Word says about His witness in our hearts about right and wrong, about our conscience, unless our conscience has been dulled by continual just fist in your face to God, I'm not going to listen to you, I believe that most of us realize deep in our hearts, this is not right. This is not the way I was created. This is not what I'm supposed to be experiencing. And friend, if you're here today and you are practicing this lifestyle, or if you find that you're leaning in that direction, I pray that you hear the message loud and clear. Nobody is pointing their finger at you and condemning you because we are all, Romans chapter 3, just a few verses over, we are all sinners in need of the grace and mercy of God. I read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, James tells us, if you break the law at one point, you're a lawbreaker. We are all in danger of God's judgment. All of us, without the cleansing and forgiveness of Jesus Christ, all of us are in danger of missing eternity away from God. Amen, church family? So nobody's pointing the finger. We're just talking about this topic today. And we're trying to speak the truth about it from God's Word. This is not God's direction for our lives. Now, I said that according to the research that I've done, it looks like about 1% to 2% of our population is making this decision. But I do want to be honest with you. If we continue going in this direction, because of the breakdown of the family, because of the breakdown of parent and children's relationships, because homosexual activists, those who are pushing this agenda, are working hard on our young people, if we continue in this direction, I do believe the percentage is going to go up. I do, I do believe that ultimately the percentage of people who make this choice and get trapped in this lifestyle is going to go up significantly. But right now we ask the question, is it a big deal? Yes, it is a big deal. Are many people participating in this lifestyle? What's the truth? Are many people? I wouldn't say one, two, or three out of a hundred is a large percentage of our population. Young people... When you go to school, when you see on the news, when you're watching these TV shows and you're getting that impression, that is not true. Everybody is not going in that direction. That's what I'm trying to say to you. The final thing is, aren't some people just born this way and they can't change? Isn't that a common thing that you hear on the news? Somebody says, I can't help it. That's just the way I am. But is that true? Is this something that's determined for us before birth and we just have to accept it? 
Many people will tell you, yes, I was just born that way. And scientists actually now, because of that, are looking for the gay gene. Is there something that is predetermined in our disposition, in our DNA, that causes some people that we can prove are born this way and they just can't help it? Well, first of all, there's no study that I know of that has shown at all that there is a gene that causes this. Just to give you one example, a leading researcher at Johns Hopkins University said this, on the basis of present knowledge, there is no basis on which to justify a hypothesis that homosexuals of any degree or type are chromosomally discrepant from heterosexuals. Now that's science language for it's not genetic, right? However, I would say this, even if we could prove conclusively that some people are born with a bent toward certain things, we are still responsible for our own choices. C.S. Lewis once said, from the statement of psychological fact, if you made this statement, I have an impulse to do so-and-so, whatever that is, if you made that statement, I have a desire to do something. We cannot, by ingenuity, derive the practical principle, therefore, I ought to obey this impulse. What he's saying is, just because I have a desire, just because I have an impulse, doesn't mean that I'm captive to my desires and my impulses. Telling us to obey instinct is like telling us to obey other people. People say different things. So do our instincts. Our instincts are at war with us. We are not captive to just... We're not just animals. We don't just have to go our own way. We don't just have to follow our bodies. The Bible says we can discipline our bodies to do what we want it to do as we follow who? As we follow God. We all have struggles. We all have weaknesses, don't we? Yours might be what we're talking about tonight. It might be something totally different. Those are a combination of a lot of factors. But the reality is, with God's help, when there is something in our life that He says is not good for us, and if we make the choice to go that direction would be a sin that would keep us from Him, the Bible says, with God's help, we can overcome those things. I want to encourage you tonight, as you are talking with friends, with family members, with, with uh, students, uh, fellow students, listen, sometimes Christians are so much back on our heels. We're intimidated. Listen, there is truth out there. The truth is, you don't have to uh, hear all of that information and just be back on your heels. You can share with your friend. In love, isn't that what the Bible says? Not condemning, not standing up on the table telling them they're going to hell, but in love saying to your friend, listen, listen, I love you, I care about you, and the Bible says that God has a better way for you. And you can say that with confidence, amen? You can say that with, with encouragement that they can have victory over that area of their life. There's a great body of evidence that shows that those who struggle with homosexuality can find hope and healing through Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10. Remember we talked about when we were talking about abortion last week? Is there anything new under the sun? That's what Ecclesiastes says. There's nothing new. You think this is new for us? 1 Corinthians 6, verse 10 says... Our verse 11 says, remember that list we said a while ago? He says, do not be deceived, neither fornicators, and that's talking about uh, people who have a relationship outside of marriage, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers. None of these will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Sin keeps us out of heaven. But look at what verse 11 says. 
such were some of you. There were people in the Corinthian church who were actively a part of that church who at one point in their life had been a part of the homosexual lifestyle. You know what the Bible says? God delivered them from that. God helped them to have victory over that. God recognizes that that is a struggle for some people, but He gives us hope that we can have victory. Such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. The Bible does say that people can change from this lifestyle choice. You know, this is a very difficult topic to talk about for a lot of reasons. First of all, because it's very close to some people's hearts. Either there's somebody here today that is making that choice or is thinking about that choice or has somebody in your family who's made that choice. It's very difficult to talk about, isn't it? It's also very controversial. It's political. In fact, you need to realize something. If what I just shared with you earlier, that agenda that I shared earlier, if that continues in our nation, and it seems to be, more and more churches are going to be pressured. You don't think it's true. It's going to happen. Churches are going to be pressured to hire and to marry homosexuals and to affirm that lifestyle. And if not, it's already happening. It is in the works right now in Congress. If not, churches are going to be accused of hate crimes or of encouraging hate crimes. And pastors and other church leaders are going to be put in jail for breaking the law. That is coming if something doesn't change in our society. It's also a tough topic because it causes, now listen to me, church family, it causes a lot of Christians to get on our high horses. And I just want to challenge you this evening. We should not do that. Homosexuality is a sin. The Bible teaches that. We need to share that truth. We need to lovingly reach out to people and share with them this is not God's purpose for your life. We want to help you with that. We want to show you or help you and encourage you any way we can. We need to be very careful. There are people out there who are advancing an agenda. We need to be aware of that. Amen? But we need to be very careful that we don't start going in the wrong direction. Start being condescending, looking down our nose, and condemning other people. Jesus said, before you worry about the little toothpick in somebody else's eye, why don't you get that big log out of yours? And I'm not just saying this as a token remark at the end of the message. I mean it. We need to be very careful that we understand where we stand before God. Amen? If it were not for His grace and mercy, tonight I would be in danger of His judgments and would be in danger of being separated from Him forever and ever. It's only because somebody came into my life and shared with me, you can be forgiven for all the terrible things that you've done, Robbie, if you'll trust in Jesus and turn your life over to Him. If you're here tonight and you're thinking about going this direction, you're hearing all this information, 
You're beginning to question yourself. You're beginning to think in that direction. Maybe you've made some of those choices. Maybe nobody else even knows about that. I pray that you'd hear me very clearly as God's servant. Please turn to the Lord and don't go any further. But whoever we are tonight, we need to ask the Lord to help us, don't we? To forgive us. Do you need to be forgiven tonight? Do you need to be cleansed? You know, every week here at New Hope, people are asking Jesus to forgive them, to come into their heart and be their Savior. Is this your week? Could God use a message about homosexuality to speak to you? Maybe that's not your sin. Maybe that's not your problem. But something else is, and it's just as wicked. It'll separate you just as much as as homosexuality will for somebody else from God. Would you call out to God today and say, Dear Jesus, have mercy on me. If you are struggling with this lifestyle, would you say, God, help me. Many people say this is a stronghold in their lives. This is very difficult to break free from. We want to understand that. Amen, church family? We want to help people very graciously and with a lot of mercy and love and care and support. Would you say tonight, God, I don't know how to do this. If you say this is right, I will trust you, but I don't know how. Please help me. And Christians, I want to challenge you tonight. Like I said, we don't need to take an attitude. We need to watch ourselves. But you know what? Sometimes we are a little wimpy. And somebody says boo and says something that we know is not right. And what do we do? Backing up. Hey, you know what? You can do your own research. I did a little bit. I can show you a whole lot more. God's not afraid of the truth. Amen? And I especially want to encourage our young people. Part of the reason that I'm doing this series is because I'm thinking about some of the young people in this room who are in college. How dare I as a pastor send them out into that world with all these things that are going to be thrown out as intriguing and curious and interesting without us as a church preparing them in some way to be ready for that. Amen, church family? That's why we have a youth group. That's why we have a children's ministry. We want them to be ready. Tonight, would your part of the invitation be, would you pray for our young people? Would you pray for our college students? Do you understand what it's like to go to college today? Do you know? It is almost impossible to remain true to Jesus and go to college. It's tough. It's a battle. Would you say, dear God, maybe God would develop a heart in you for our, our young men and women. Do you know tonight our college and career ministry is going to be meeting? We're trying to grow that ministry. Lord, forgive us if we train young people when they're 7th through 12th grade, and then after that we say, have a nice life. Hope you make it. We need to develop our college and career ministry. Amen? Is God putting that on your heart tonight? Let's talk to the Lord. Let's bow before Him. Would you just thank Him tonight that He loves us? That He gives us His truth? That He helps us to see through all the messages that, we, that we've been hearing? If you're here tonight and you're struggling with some sin in your life, whether it's the one we talked about tonight or something else, would you talk to the Lord about that right now?